Hello, dear friends, and welcome once again to the Great Library of Dreams. Do come in. Have a seat. Well, you join us tonight for the second part of our Summer M.R. James season. Now, we began in our last show with a poem about his childhood home, Great Livermere. And tonight, we have a story set at another place that was very important to James, Eton College. He enrolled there as a pupil in September 1876 and left in summer 1882 to go and study at King's College in Cambridge, where he not only studied as an undergraduate, but continued his researches, becoming a don and then later a provost of the college. However, towards the end of his life, he was to return once again to Eton, where in 1818 he lived out his last years as a provost for Eton College itself. The story I have for you tonight was most likely written at some point after his return to Eton in 1818. However, we do know it was first published in an Eton College magazine entitled College Days, appearing in issue 10 on the 28th of June 1924. Indeed, it's a story that is set in the grounds of Eton College itself, and it also seems to be set in the same world as his children's novel, The Five Jars, which was published in 1930. However, while this tale largely shares the same whimsical tone as his much-overlooked children's novel, featuring talking animals and encounters with the fairy folk, it does go into somewhat darker, more Jamesian territory. And, to my mind at least, it seems to be connected to one of his very last ghost stories, and one we'll hear and discuss later in this series. However, now it's time to settle back in your chairs and hear about a most curious stroll one midsummer night. After Dark in the Playing Fields by M.R. James The hour was late and the night was fair. I had halted not far from Sheep's Bridge and was thinking about the stillness only broken by the sound of the weir when a loud tremulous hoot just above me made me jump. It is always annoying to be startled but I have a kindness for owls this one was evidently very near. I looked about for it. There it was, sitting plumply on a branch about twelve feet up. I pointed my stick at it and said, Was that you? Drop it, said the owl. I know it ain't only a stick, but I don't like it. Yes, of course it was me. Who'd you suppose it would be if it weren't? We will take as read the sentences about my surprise. I lowered the stick. Well, said the owl, what about it? 
If you will come out here of a midsummer's evening, like what this is, what do you expect? I beg your pardon, I said. I should have remembered. May I say that I think myself very lucky to have met you tonight? I hope you have the time for a little talk. Well, said the owl ungraciously, I don't know as it matters so particular tonight. I've had me supper as it happens, and if you ain't too long over it, ow! Suddenly it broke into a loud scream, flapped its wings furiously, bent forward, and clutched at its perch tightly, continuing to scream. Plainly something was pulling hard at it from behind. The strain relaxed abruptly. The owl nearly fell over, and then whipped round, ruffling up all over, and made a vicious dab at something unseen by me. Oh, I am sorry, said a small clear voice, in a solicitous tone. I made sure it was loose. I do hope I didn't hurt you. Didn't hurt me, said the owl bitterly. Of course you hurt me, and well you know it, you young infidel. That feather was no more loose than, oh, if I could get at you now. I shouldn't wonder, but what you've thrown me all out of balance. Why can't you let a person sit quiet for two minutes at a time, without you must come creeping up and... Oh, well, you've done it this time. I shall go straight to headquarters. And? Finding it was now addressing the empty air. Why, where have you gone now? Oh, it's too bad, that's what it is. Dear me, I said. I'm afraid this isn't the first time you've been annoyed in this way. May I ask exactly what happened? Yes, you may ask, said the owl still looking narrowly about as it spoke. But it'd take me to the latter end of next week to tell you. Fancy coming and pulling anyone's tail feather. It'd be something cruel it did. And what for, I should like to know. Answer me that. Where's the reason of it? All that occurred to me was to murmur, the clamorous owl that nightly hoots and wonders at our quaint spirits. I hardly thought the point would be taken, but the owl said sharply, What's that? Yes, you needn't repeat it, I heard. And I'll tell you what's at the bottom of it, and you mark my words. It bent towards me and whispered, with many nods of its round head. Pride, standoffishness, that's what it is. Come not near our fairy queen. Oh dear me, no, we ain't good enough for the likes of them. As it's been noted, time out of mind for the best singers in the fields. Now ain't that so? Well... I said, doubtfully enough. I like to hear you very much. But, you know, some people think a lot of the thrushes and nightingales and so on. You must have heard of that, haven't you? And then, perhaps, of course I don't know, perhaps your style of singing isn't exactly what they think suitable to accompany their dancing, eh? I should kindly hope not, said the owl, drawing itself up. Our families never give in to dancing. Nor never won't neither. Why, whatever are you thinking of? It went on with a rising temper. A pretty thing it would be for me to sit there hiccuping at them. It stopped and looked cautiously all around, and up and down, and then continued in a louder voice. Them little ladies and gentlemen, if it ain't suitable for them, I'm very sure it ain't suitable for me. And, temper rising again, if they expect me never to say a word just because they're dancing and carrying on with their foolishness, they're very much mistook, and so I tell them. From what had passed before, I was afraid this was an imprudent line to take, and I was right. Hardly had the owl given its last emphatic nod, 
when four slim forms dropped from a bough above, and in a twinkling, some sort of grass rope was thrown around the body of the unhappy bird, and it was borne off through the air, loudly protesting, in the direction of Fellow's Pond. Splashes and gurgles and shrieks of unfeeling laughter were heard as I hurried up. Something darted away over my head, and I stood peering over the bank of the pond, which was all in commotion. A very angry and dishevelled owl scrambled heavily up the bank, and, stopping near my feet, shook itself and flapped and hissed for several minutes, without saying anything I should care to repeat. Glaring at me, it eventually said, and the grim suppressed rage in its voice was such that I hastily drew back a step or two, "'Hear that!' They said they was very sorry, but they mistook me for a duck. Well, if it ain't enough to make anyone go regular distracted in their mind and tear everything to flinders for miles around. So carried away it was by passion that it began the process at once by rooting up a large beakful of grass, which, alas, got into its throat, and the choking that resulted made me really afraid it would break a vessel. But the paroxysm was mastered, and the owl sat up, winking and breathless, but intact. Some expression of sympathy seemed to be required, yet I was cheery of offering it, for in its present state of mind I felt that the bird might interpret the best-meant phrase as a fresh insult. So we stood looking at each other without speech for a very awkward minute, and then came a diversion. First the thin voice of the pavilion clock, and then the deeper sound from the castle quadrangle, and then Lupton's tower, drowning the curfew tower by its nearness. "'What's that?' said the owl, suddenly and hoarsely. "'Midnight, I should think,' said I, and had recourse to my watch. "'Midnight?' cried the owl, evidently much startled. "'And me too wet to fly a yard? Here, you pick me up and put me in that tree. Don't, I'll climb up your leg, and you won't ask me to do that twice. Quick now!' I obeyed. Which tree do you want? Why, my tree, to be sure. Over there. It nodded towards the wall. All right. Bad calc's tree, do you mean? I said, beginning to run in that direction. How should I know what silly names you call it? The one what has a door like in it. Go faster. They'll be coming in a minute. Who? What's the matter? I asked as I ran, clutching the wet creature and very much afraid of stumbling and coming over with it in the long grass. "'You'll see fast enough,' said this selfish bird. "'You just let me get on this tree. I shall be all right.' And I suppose it was, for it scrabbled very quickly up the trunk, with its wings spread, and disappeared into a hollow without a word of thanks. I looked round, not very comfortably. The curfew tower was still playing St. David's tune, and the little chime that follows, for the third and last time. But the other bells had finished what they had to say, and now there was silence, and again the restless changing weir was the only thing that broke, no, that emphasised it. Why had the owl been so anxious to get into hiding? That, of course, was what now exercised me. Whatever and whoever was coming, I was sure that this was no time for me to cross the open field. I should do best to disassemble my presence by staying on the darker side of the tree. And that is what I did. All of this took place some years ago, before summer time came in. 
I do sometimes go into the playing fields at night still, but I come in before true midnight. And I find I do not like a crowd after dark, for example at the 4th of June fireworks. You see? No, you do not, but I see such curious faces, and the people to whom they belong flit about so oddly, often at your elbow when you least expect it, and looking close into your face, as if they were searching for someone who may be thankful, I think, if they do not find him. Where do they come from? Why, some, I think, out of the water, and some out of the ground. They look like that. But I am sure it is best to take no notice of them, and not to touch them. Yes, I certainly prefer the daylight population of the playing fields to that which comes there after dark.
This podcast was produced by Mr. Jim Moon with music from the Eldritch Light Orchestra. If you enjoyed this show, please consider leaving us a review or a rating so other people can find it. If you really like the show, consider buying us a coffee at coffee.com slash hypnagoria or becoming a Patreon at patreon.com slash hypnagoria where subscribers can get exclusive new shows every month and access the Patreon's only podcasting vault. For more nonsense, call into our site hypnagoria.com where you can find all manner of essays and articles on the weird and the wonderful plus my other podcasts plus links to YouTube and all the usual social media gubbins This has been a great library of dreams production 